Welcome in. This is Ron Greenwald, The Ron Greenwald Show. This podcast is a professional forum for all of those that dedicate themselves to working with older adults, uh, to listen to and hear and understand stories of great value, insight, and support for as we age. And it's really the mission of Ron Greenwald, the podcast, to help guide older adults to make informed and intelligent and productive decision-making so that, first of all, their family always has Thanksgiving together and they understand that planning is really going to relieve them of anxiety so they know what the future looks like. It's not a straight shot to the, you know, and so that last third of life is through planning and execution and information that we really have an incredible journey. So with that, I am honored and privileged to introduce you to Yvette Cuyate. Did I say that okay? Close Uh, enough. Close enough. Cuyate Law Group, Cuyate Law Group, and uh, I just am honored for to have you here today. Your background uh, is simply inspiring, awe-inspiring for somebody to go onto your website and look at your past and what you're doing today and really how you are here to really be an advocate and really be a voice for people that don't have the voice. Uh, I love what you have trademarked, uh, Kingdom's Hero Lawyer in Heels. Kingdom's Hero Lawyer in Heels. That is worth repeating. So Yvette, I'm going to allow you to take it from here and introduce yourself to the listening audience. Thank you, Ron. Thank you so much. Now I got to buy you lunch. That was such an <laughs> awesome uh, introduction. Oh, I really, I just, I spent last night just rereading <laughs> this. It's so inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I, like I, like you mentioned, Kingdom Shiro Lawyer and Heels. And so what that stands for is Kingdom. So I'm a Christian lawyer that goes before everything I do. I always say God is my CEO. Uh, Shiro, lawyer, and heels. I love heels. Except right now I broke my toe, so you know we're we're doing platform heels today. <laughs> but what I do, Ron, I help families, and I'm able to do that in a way where we get into some really awesome planning. What we'll talk about today. A lot of my clients are estate planning clients, as you're aware of, and. We go through a lot of the planning of what that will actually look like. And I also have a lot of my other side of my practice is helping victims of crime. I'm a former prosecutor. And so I really focus on empowering those victims, on rebuilding their lives. And so all of that to say money is at the center of all of it. Money gives you choices and you have choices when you have money to plan with and for. And so... Uh, we'll get into that, but in a nutshell, that's what I do. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. So you you grew up where? I grew up in Mexico, okay, in Guanajuato, up until I was about seven or eight, and then went to California, uh, up in Northern California, and grew up there. An undergraduate. 
UC Davis. Oh, that's right. Aggie. Yeah. 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 UC Davis. I love that that campus. My my stepdaughter went to UC Davis, and uh, she didn't take wine classes enough <laughs> wine classes, but she she's got a fabulous degree, and yeah. it's a fantastic school. Yeah. So you go from there to. I went from there to hitting the workforce. So I was a social worker in my previous life, and I worked for Child Protective Services. I was a court investigator. This is all in California? All in California, yeah. Uh, and then decided it was time for law school, and that's what brought me out here, to San Diego originally. So you went to law school here, <laughs> and then pack up to go to Virginia? I'm trying to... How, yeah, not not right away. Way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we moved back up to Northern California. Um, I did some civil litigation work for some firms up there, and then uh, met my now wonderful husband, who was living in Virginia. Right? There's always a boy in this. Right. Well, I mean, the, the, the <laughs> a wife uh, uh, hashtag girl mom. Right. And mentor to others. I just, I just, it's very inspirational. Thank your you. website. Thank you. So you go to Virginia and you become a prosec a prosecuting attorney. Correct. Okay, uh, for for the for the um, for a municipality in Virginia. Yeah, for the Commonwealth of Virginia, prosecuted domestic violence and sexual assault crimes towards the end, some juvenile crimes, uh, but did that for a little while. That's initially what I set out to do during law school. Is to be uh, the prosecute. Was to be a prosecutor. El el I mean, like elder abuse and that type of a crime against citizens. Yeah, all crimes against victims. And then, okay, yep. so you do that for how many years? Did that was out there for a couple years, um, and then we decided that it was time to come back to California. And so we were back, we were back to San Diego. Shortly after that opened up Cuyate Law Group. And your, is your husband an attorney? He is not, thank God. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> So you open up the you open up the law group in in how long ago? Right before the pandemic, actually. So it was uh, Martin Luther King Day, a little bit before before the pandemic. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day of 2019, actually. Um, and so. And when you came, when in. you pick up and leave Virginia, I assume your husband has you. You don't have it. I mean, you're going to set up a whole. You're going to put out the shingle and set up a new practice. Yeah. Your husband has a job, I assume, in some capacity yeah. here. No, oh. no, not really. No. No, my husband's also an entrepreneur. Oh. He, yeah, um, he's an independent securities licensed financial advisor. Oh. So he had the freedom and the clientele to literally work from everywhere. Gotcha. That, that, that was a blessing. And, and initially, I didn't open up my practice right away. I actually went to work for another civil litigation firm and then quickly decided it's time. And did something happen to trigger, I want to go and do estate planning work and all the other things that you do? I mean, what what triggered that change? Or yeah, yeah. Was there a tipping point? Yeah, no, um, I actually fell into the actual practice of it. Uh, my husband's clients needed oh. estate plans and I started dabbling and really quickly decided this is really rewarding work. And this found my niche in it. Basically because I realized in my own family experience, wow, you know, we, if we really, really had solid estate planning 
um, in my personal family's experience, this the kind of stuff we're still living generations in wouldn't have happened. So um, just I just knew the value of it, but I didn't realize really how rewarding it was to do it. So again, you saw the human side of the law. I mean, well, I mean, you're prosecuting bad guys. Right. Uh, so that to me is that's pretty intense. Uh, that had to be pretty intense. Kudos for you for for doing that. So now, in terms of your the share of your practice, you have a book. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. So I I do have an ebook. This one, however, so this is called How Money Works, Stopping a Sucker. Okay. Uh, and it's written by Tom Matthews and Steve Siebold, and it's not my personal book that oh. I wrote, but okay. it is a foundational book that I use to teach my clients about money. Um, and it's number one right now book on financial literacy. Um, I brought you a book. Thank you. I brought you a book. Thank you. And, uh, and your team, too. And I really think that money, in my experience, is the foundation of our choices that we have. It controls everything. And we're seeing it nowadays, right? With From what groceries you buy, where you get to live, right? Where you get to plant. Um, and so no matter what my clients are walking in through the door with, um, when they know about their money and they have some sort of autonomy on how money actually works or isn't working for them, it's powerful to be transformed with that knowledge. So I use it across the board. Is that the, your intro? I mean, when the client comes in, is that something that's kind of laid out on the table? And let's <laughs> I mean, let's talk about where you're at with this. Or? Yeah. No, 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 not not. Uh, I, I wouldn't say not at the inception. Okay. Um, it's more of a gradual, I would say, process. Um, some people come in and they are ready to talk about all of their money, but money is a taboo topic, right? So some people aren't ready to talk about that kind of stuff. But we get into it very quickly as far as, you know, what you're fighting about, where your life circumstances are, what, what planning do you have? Um, and for estate planning clients particularly, it does come in um, when we're going through what are your plans, right? Where are you going to be down the road? I'm interested uh, in terms of you said you helping rebuild people's lives yeah. that are, were victims of some type of assault or abuse. Yeah. And so that's part of your estate planning practice, or is that a whole separate part of the, the yeah. law group? It goes hand in hand for sure, but I'll give you – the way of how I use it. So as a prosecutor and doing the work in domestic violence and vict victims' crimes, we see time and time again that victims, in 99% of the cases, this is an actual statistic, financial abuse is an abuse that they experience. And so whether it is a victim, human trafficking, a domestic violence victim, a victim of elder care, you know, situations, money, when their money is controlled, their options are controlled. And so getting their psychology around knowing the money and then having the milestones that are awesome in there in this book about what are the milestones you need to have build for yourself, maybe some have it, maybe they don't, gives them kind of a roadmap of where they need to be. 
right? So a victim might leave and not have anything, but they know, okay, my roadmap is maybe building a security, um, you know, three months emergency fund. Maybe, okay, next step is looking at my cash flow, my expenses, my debt, right? Not everybody is at the asset management part. Not everybody's at the I have assets to put in a trust part. So it really runs the gamut across the board, right? But for victims specifically, it gives them a roadmap. So if someone's a, I mean, this is very close to home right now for me because somebody very, uh, uh, I won't mention names or anything like that, but somebody who I know very, very well for a lot of years uh, was assaulted, brutally assaulted, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of finding out a little, I mean, she's not communicating really well with the outside world. She's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I'm just like, with, from your standpoint, you have, you have a, I think you're back, you have a, uh, well, you have the degree originally in, you were a, um, not care, um, psychology. <laughs> psychology. Yeah. So you really have that ability to reach out and touch people to bring them out in their shell. And I think planning is certainly as if they have the plan, then they're going to feel much more comfortable yeah. with moving forward. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you, can you imagine? I mean, if you, if we don't know how, where to start something, it feels overwhelming, you know. But if you give them a roadmap of, hey, this is where you need to go, now those, that big mountain cut down into little milestones is so much more attainable. Do you work with the district attorney's office here in San Diego County to get people to come to you as to help them put those plans in place? Because I would think that would be, yeah. is that something that has actually happened? So I actually work a lot with the Northern, um, North County Family oh. Justice Center. Okay. I do, my firm is one of the providers. We do a lot of pro bono work uh, when it comes to financial abuse and literacy, we do a lot of talks in the community and educate them on that. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're definitely connected in that. Are are you seeing are you are a lot of these people elders? I mean, are you seeing a lot of that the elder abuse, the elder financial abuse? Definitely, uh, that is definitely a, a population. Uh, but the Family Justice Center focuses more specifically with domestic violence or sexual assault victims. Wow. Yeah, but um, yeah, they do awesome work and I've been blessed to be able to pro- train their people. Uh, so I've, I've done a number of trainings to first responders and um, DAs that you know they need to know what financial abuse is. Right. Because as a prosecutor, you, we see time and time again, you know, victim calls 911, someone gets picked up, then it's the hearing time. Well, by the time you get to the hearing time, they recant. They don't want to testify. They don't want their loved right. one in jail. Why? Because if he goes to jail, who's going to pay rent? How am I going to do it on one income? So there's a lot to the puzzle than just show up to the hearing and prosecute. And when do you come into that loop? Or when are you brought into that loop? Um, as far as the, the plant, with, with the plant I'm right now more training the, okay. Okay. their people and the service providers so they can recognize, right? So my whole goal is can I get out there and educate the masses on what are the red flags of 
being um, financially abused? What does it look like? You know, what are some things that I can look like that I can see that so I don't normalize behavior, so I can start paying attention? Um, as I say, just it's interesting. I just a full circle here because yeah. I was used to be very involved with um, Paul Greenwood, who was our former deputy district attorney here. I don't know if that name resonates. He's been retired for a few years, but elder financial elder abuse yeah. is something in my world that I have seen over and over and yeah. over again. It's usually a family member. It's a lot of times it's the adult child, uh, the 50-year-old son who's taking a financial advantage of mom. Um, it's just heartbreaking to see that. Um, and, and so I'm just fascinated. Uh, Women of Influence in Law, 2023 honoree from the San Diego Business Journal. <laughs> you are really placed yourself out there to really be supportive. And that all comes back to, again, your primary focus is estate planning mm-hmm. for the couples, for individuals. Yeah. I mean, is is it young families that are, are coming in to see? Is that really your is your niche is young families trying to set up that initial estate plan? Yeah, a lot of them are. But I'll tell you, Ron, my niche has really been the families, specifically, mo- most of the time it's the elder daughter or or um, sister that are in the sandwich generation, right? And so you know what I mean by that. But for your listeners oh, that yeah. aren't familiar, right? <laughs> go, it's go it's it. the yeah, it's the um, adult daughter that is has little kids or kids at home, but also mom and dad or grandma grandpa that she's caring for. So if you can imagine the burden, the trifecta, right, of trying to care for two different stages of life, and at the same time trying to get your own stuff together, pay the bills, let alone save for your own retirement, right? That's really where my niche is has been. Um, and I can identify in that niche from a variety of perspectives, but- Are you that niche? Are you that person? Not uh, right now. I can't say that I am, although our girls run the gamut of ages, right? But I'm not taking care of my own parents yeah. right now. My parents are deceased. Oh, um, but I can definitely understand, you know, what what that entails uh, in the Latino culture. That is what we do. Right. You know, that's just what we do. And you are, I, I obviously you're bilingual. I mean, yes. that goes, you know, so is a lot. Give us that culture. Do they embrace, does the culture embrace, I mean, they're intergenerational for sure. Mm-hmm. Do they embrace planning t- uh, as you know, in terms of the trust and, and all that? Like, like I envision. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I first got into it, I was like, how do you even say trust in Spanish? <laughs> I don't know. How do you? It's fideocomicio. Okay. Right? It just sounds like this. What is that? I've, I had never heard it before. And that's the thing. In in our culture, it's not something that we grow up with. Is that because parents... everybody is, the, the patriarch, matriarch assumes that everybody's going to get along? and we Oh, don't... definitely. Okay. But, I mean, we, we have novela, soap opera. We know that that's not true, right? <laughs> like, we, we know that that's not going to happen. But also, you know, like majority of families, even outside the Latino culture, we don't really understand how money works. So going back to the book, 
right? We just don't grow up with this knowledge inherently of what do I need to do to protect my assets? What do I need to do for long-term care planning of myself, of my family, of my grandparents that are getting older? Like, we just don't grow up with that. We just, it's not something that's definitely taught in schools, let alone in Mexico. I know that's not taught in schools there or here. So it is a sort of a strange concept in most families, I found. And is it, how do you transform that? How do you turn the switch on to go, this is really the benefit. I mean, a family has worked their tuchuses off, for lack of a better expression, have accumulated some properties, whether in Mexico, San Diego, California, whatever the case may be, and actually have something to pass along generationally. Mm -hmm. How do you get them to go... You're right, mm-hmm. Yvette. How do you get them to go? Yes, I yeah. need to do this. It's the daughter, right? It's that. It's that's where my niche comes in. Okay. Why? Because once she can articulate to her folks, to her grandparents, to whoever, like, listen, when something happens to you, here's what's going to happen to me. Mm. Do and it. For, do it, it for me. It changes their mindset. See, because if they understand, and you know, I, I. I talk to a lot of professional women, and you might know this. Lawyers, they leave the firms, they leave the practice, right, at high rates because why? Inherently, lawyer women are the caregivers, as we are in society in general. So that is the quickest thing that I see really derailing their careers. And when I can communicate that to them so they can instruct their parents, listen, I'm going to have to take days off to take care of you, to take you around, to handle my kids. Now your your stuff. My career is going to take a backseat if I can still keep a career, right? My savings are going to plummet if I even have savings. Your savings are going to plummet if you even ever ha- you know even have savings. Once they can articulate that, please don't put me in that worst case scenario. Oftentimes that's the aha moment. You know, and then the other piece of that is for Latino families, the home, la casa, is the 401k. And once they understand, like, it's not as simple as just I'll put my kid on the title. Right. Once they understand probate and all of those things and Medicaid and all of the other things that come into play, that's when they go, I need to protect it. We do, actually we have a uh, episode a couple of months ago. Suzanne, she it's the classic story. Yeah. She has two brothers. One she had to put a restraining order on against, so he wouldn't come visit his parents. The other one lived out of state. She gives up her life pretty much yeah. to move in with mom and dad. It's a great episode because I always, when I see somebody moving in with mom and dad to be the caregiver and that person who's moving in has siblings, I'm going, let me tell you how this is going to go mm-hmm. down when your mom and dad pass away. Tell them, Ron. It's going to be a poop show, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to put it bluntly. And there's so little forethought in the term of the distribution of the assets, the equality of the distribution of the assets. I did this, and now you want it to be a third, a third, a third when I gave up my... But they never think about, let's make it a transactional ahead of time. Yeah. 
let's talk to mom and dad right. about okay if I do this then what's the you know they just don't want to they don't want to go down that path of making it a yeah. transactional business relationship right so that's what I see over and over yeah. and over again so that's yeah. really where you come in and go listen let yeah. me let me help you let me help you <laughs> let me help <laughs> yeah. you here let me, let me tell you what's gonna happen on that side on that not side. even thinking on what's gonna how it's gonna affect you personally well I, I it's it's so unbelievable because again Suzanne who was on the podcast she literally had to move out yeah. uh, and get because she just it was it was a it's an interesting again the dynamics of the father daughter mother daughter relationships all that comes back into play right. yeah and it's it, people think they can handle well anyway, I could go on and on being a, being a caregiver in general is the hardest job and you burn out and you usually it's your health that deteriorates right. faster than the person you're caring for right and I just am thrilled to this you know for you to be that advocate to that sandwich generation to say listen that's before we go down this path let's have a plan yeah for yourself for too. yourself yeah well that's fantastic yeah. um, and I'm very interested you you obviously um, in terms of your faith comes into a big part of that how is how do you how do you weave that into the estate planning and your business model wow that's a really great question I've never been asked that before. Oh, because I—I mean, it's you know, yeah. The religion, religious, religious is a big part of your life. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So how how do you re relay that into your plan? Well, I've had the opportunity to pray for my clients with my clients. You know, I I I am who I am up front, right? Not that's not for everybody. Um, but I also don't don't shy away from it, and I'm self-employed. Well, you're embracing. So I, I mean, <laughs> I'm. I I think it's fantastic. You are embracing it. Yes. The 100%. first line of your website: experienced excellence meets zealous advocacy. Again, I, I for anybody that wants to be inspired in the evening, go to the website and just really be inspired. Meet our trailblazing founder, the devoted Christian. So that is num faith yeah. is numero uno there. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, daughter. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but that's fascinating. I, I, you embrace it in part of your business model. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, like I say, I, God is my CEO. And sometimes that means praying for my clients. Sometimes that means doing pro bono work. Sometimes that means not doing something, right? Um, I'm, I'm led by the Holy Spirit, 100%. I try to be. Um, and no matter what my clients come in, you know, their beliefs, their system or whatever, I just, I, I, I know that having to be accountable to the big guy upstairs who I'm accountable to, you know, that at the end of the day keeps me where I need to be, right? Centered and being able to show up as the best that I can for them. And was Christianity uh, something that has happened recently, or is that going back to your uh, college days? Or when did this? Yeah. When did that religion? <laughs> I mean, again, I'm I'm well. You know, Christianity is, is a very important part of one's life. Obviously, religion is part of one's life. So you've made this part of your model. I'm just fascinated. Was this something that transformationally happened, 
or was this something that your family, part of your family upbringing? Yeah. Um... I just I think it's fascinating because I I think it's important for, uh, for I mean, to do the right thing, and yeah. you are advocating on so many behalf of so many people. Yeah. It wasn't. You know, I grew up in a very Catholic, basic culture. I'll say cultural Catholic uh, upbringing. And it was very religious, but I never really had a relationship with God with God in it. And, you know, I, I mentioned to you, um, my parents died. My mom died when I was 11. Oh. When that happens, you kind of lose faith in everything. Right. Um, that trauma that. So I actually walked away from anything, wanting anything to do with any God for years. And I spent my teenage years in the large part of my early 20s Rebelling. not wanting in it because I was so angry. There was a lot there. I eventually found that relationship. And trust me, I looked in different places. I've looked at Buddhism. I looked at Muslim faith. I looked in different places. And once I found Christianity, that was mine. And it felt like that was the missing puzzle piece. And for me, um, really embracing the concept of forgiveness as a whole, the concept of um, you know just being liberated from that trauma. My mom was murdered, by the way, of domestic violence. Oh, my gosh. So... Working through that is that that was the only way, Ron. That that literally was the only way for me. Um, that's what allows me to do what I do. That's what allowed me to do, you know, law school and go on and do all these things. People tell me, you know, nobody would blame you for like being a addict, you know, crackhead, strung out on the side of the street. But you know that you know that uh, footprints in the sand. That was my whole life. And once I realized, wow, God was carrying me all those years, when I, even when I turned my back on him, when I wanted nothing to do with him, it wasn't anything really I did because look where he got me. Look where he has me. I, I, I could not definitively say it was me. Come on, like you don't get to where I am without a greater God carrying you through. You have siblings? I do. And th were they able to move on like you have in terms of being just elevating yourself to a higher level? Uh, I want to say yes, but the reality is they didn't. Um, we grew up 20 years apart. Oh. When this happened, they were living in Mexico. Okay. Um, so we didn't have the same impact Gotcha. Their impact was a little bit different. Um, so this yeah. all comes back to planning. Right. Uh, well, it's it's true. I mean, I obviously that's devastating. That's hard to hear, hard to but again, for people that can see the light at the end of the tunnel, that it's that you were a so you were as much of a victim as your mom yeah. was. Yeah. And you were able so now it all makes it all makes sense as to, and I, I have to. So when you're prosecuting some just rotten individual, are you able to forgive that person? Mm. 
You know I mean, what? You have you have seen some incredible stories. Yeah, I, I have. Um, I never really thought about the forgiveness of that person because that wasn't something I could forgive. Right. It wasn't done to Not me. To you, right. you know. Um, but definitely having the experience as a victim, I could understand the victims I was representing in an entirely different way and understand the choices they made or didn't make because of what I had and my family had gone through. Well, as I say, if who's ever listening, if you're listening to this and you are a past victim of whatever, whatever abuse, you know, whether it's a parent, a, a husband, a spouse, I just encourage, I mean, to reach out to you as a, as a, a voice, I'm sure you would take their call and talk them, talk to them. I mean, Absolutely. It sounds like, I mean, in terms of advocacy. And then obviously the plan, the estate plan, life plan, mm-hmm. I'll call it life. And, yes. <laughs> um, uh, Marguerite Lorenz, who was, uh, who's a professional fiduciary, she, she empower, you know, life empowerment planning. I, and she coined that when she was on the podcast. That's how I, you know, it's not, so, they may not have that huge estate, mm-hmm. but they need a life plan. Yes. And when you have a life plan, you can take that first step forward. And I, I just, I am just really blown away uh, by your background, by your advocacy, by where you have, you know, so many people fall into that dark hole and never recover and that you have been able to f- find Christianity and that you've been able to then take that and really improve people's lives. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a kudos to, to you and, and your firm. Um, Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about the firm and uh, where you're going. Yeah. Where are you going with the firm? Yeah. Well, I will say, we back up just a, a minute to that because, um, you know, San Diego Lawyer Magazine asked me this question. It's like, how do you, how do you want people when they see you? What do, what do you want them to know? And I, I always say the same thing. I want people to know that it wasn't me, right? Because my life is literally a walking, living testimony of miracles after miracles after miracles. I mean, we we only have a short amount of time today, right? But they, when people meet me, I want them to know. Jesus. I want them to know that there is no other way that this woman could be where she's at, but for because of the miracles uh, that that God's done in her life. There's no way. Um, So I don't take credit, you know. I think it's a two-way street. (laughs) I I think there's some there's someone you have you have to take the lead. You have to fall. Well, not yeah. fall. You have to take the lead and say, "I'm going to be this person." Yeah, yeah. You got, you got to be willing. For you got to sure. be willing. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And okay. so, yeah. uh, you know, as I say, it's it's I kudos. So mm-hmm. yes, I understand what you're saying, but you have to be something within you. Now, yeah. whether it's Jesus, Christianity, right. but there's something also within you, some kind of power to say, "I can overcome." Yeah. And help others, and that yeah. you are going to do that. Yeah, but who puts it in there? Who puts it in there? <laughs> <laughs> so we could just go back. Yeah, and I, know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a debate for the ages. Right, yeah, yeah. But but I, but I think it's a fabulous story. Thank you. Good but for yeah. you. So, 
Tuyatela Group, where where is it going? Right, we're going into gosh, uh, our fifth year, sixth year, yeah. And um, you know, they say, what does I say? Like for, uh, businesses fail within what two, three to five. <laughs> you know, you add in pandemic. I don't know. We're still around and we're growing and we're doing and um, exciting stuff. And so, I'm gonna always be a victim advocate because of where I come from and what I do, and that's my passion. Um, I'm going to always be doing life planning and estate planning because that is also a passion of making sure that other families generationally don't don't end up where mine did, you know, where um, dad leaves a huge estate and the siblings are a mess and the family's a mess because stuff wasn't tightened up um, or the long-term care planning. Where I'm going next, I'm currently studying for my own health, life, and securities licenses to also bring in that financial services piece um. to my clients individually, not only as a lawyer, but also as an advisor. Uh, because I want, I, I just see time and time again, they, number one, there's this, we'll say, distrust sometimes within the Latino community of financial advisors, of people that talk to them about money. And I'm already there. I'm already having those conversations. And they go, well, can you do it? (laughs) (laughs) I have another license. So I'm working at that. Um, And I want to bring on other lawyers that are doing, that are passionate about that as well, that are doing the work, that understand you know, what happens when there's no plan in place? Because we could put an estate plan together that's beautiful on paper and the pages are nice and I give you this really beautiful binder. But if your retirements are and accounts are a mess, if you don't have long-term care insurance prepared, if your mortgage isn't going to be paid off, if your kids aren't going to be able to go to school, if something happens to you, you know, I've failed. I failed you as your advisor, as a lawyer, and then I need, I want to be able to help my clients in that aspect as well. So we're growing in that, and I want other lawyers to get in on that because it is such a need. In 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 um, in not just the Hispanic community, but just in, in general, in general, yeah, and the, the aging population, yeah. and so many people are not taking. The lead in getting their planning yeah. done. It's it the the staggering numbers. Oh of, yeah. Of how doesn't? Yeah, I mean done. the baby boomers right now that they're retiring. The transfer of money that's about to that's happening already, and then by twenty thirty that's going to happen with to women in this country specifically, is in the millions, millions. You know, so are we prepared for that? Right? Do we have? So we're living longer. Our parents are living longer. We're living longer. That's a great problem. Until you're outliving your money, until we don't have Social Security to rely on, until Medicaid, or sorry, until long-term care wipes out my entire life savings. You know, I have clients all the time that tell me, no, I'm good. And I ask them, what happens if you get dementia, if you get Alzheimer's? What's going to happen? Do you understand that it's over $10,000 a month for a nursing home? that your daughter doesn't have an extra 150k to just pay for. Do you know how quickly that's going to eat up your retirement account? Do you know how quickly that's going to eat up the equity in your mortgage? 
So what good is this beautiful binder going to do if I know that I'm leaving you, I'm sending you off with a bunch of bullet holes in it? Well said. How do we get a hold of you? Let's let's get some, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah. What's, what's the best way? Best way is the firm phone number. So that's 619-535-0066. Or you can email me directly. And your email? Yvette, I-V-E-T-T-E, at kuyatelawgroup.com. Uh, or you can also follow me. Spe- at spell K- your last name for the listening oh, audience. Oh, K-U-Y-A-T-E-H. Thank you. Uh, and then you can follow me on social media. Yeah, yeah. You're very active. I have uh, videos up, and I try to just do a lot of education on all the things I'm passionate about. Well, I think there's certainly, uh, I think I'm going to try to help you get out and speak more. That's kind of now having talked to you and, and met you. you in person and having gone through and having done this podcast. There's so much more opportunity than we can even, well, you'll be too busy, but because <laughs> I, I, it's really important that this, yeah. your message is out there, one, for what you overcame, that you, what, you, what you went through and how you overcame that. That that should be your. Where's the autobiography? <laughs> when is that coming out? <laughs> with with the money book, you put those two together, <laughs> you'll be on tour pretty soon in the New York Times bestselling list. Because I think it's a very powerful story you. that you are uh, passionate in, in helping that sandwich generation. It, we know how it's built. How that's just exploding in, in need. Yeah. So, thank you so so much for. With toe issues and everything <laughs> <laughs> coming up here today and being on the podcast, it's really that uh, very honored to be here. I I greatly admire your service to humanity. I greatly am, admire your service to yourself in, as number one and to your family. and And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Ron. I appreciate your invite and taking the time to hear my message and yes you know, the book we're gonna, we're gonna give you a you. copy with the book Thank and that's you. another thing is if your listeners want to get hooked up with a book they call can you call the office or they can shoot me an email and i'll find a way to get them um, awesome a free copy of the book perfect okay great way to end the podcast awesome. thank you event thank you ron have a great day you too bye awesome bye